Steve welcomes Pastor Alan Wright to help us see as Jesus sees, followed by Ron Leonard in about half an hour, who is spokesperson for David Shield CFI's IDF Outreach USA. It's Dawn and Steve in the morning. Well, Ron, uh, Alan Wright is a pastor in North Carolina, author of Seeing as Jesus Sees. And Alan, one of the lines in your book that caught me right away as you said, most people focus on doing, but it's seeing that matters, how we see ourselves and the world shapes how we think, feel, and behave. I, I, w- I would love for you to go a little bit deeper on that. You said what most of us focus on doing, and I get that. I, I tend to do too. Why is it that seeing is so important? Well, here's a great example uh, that I tell at the start of the book. businessman gets onto a, a train after a busy day. He's tired. He wants to just relax, open his paper, read it. And then another man gets on. He's got two kids, but they're rambunctious. They're bouncing all over the place. They're bothering the passengers, grabbing at papers. And so you can imagine this tired businessman, his thoughts. I mean, he's probably sitting there. He's a good man. And he's thinking, I ought to be patient, but he doesn't feel patient. I ought to, I ought to be kind, but the, the longer he thinks about it, you know how our minds go. Yep. We think we know what's going on. And he's like, this is the problem. The, the, he was more frustrated with the inattentive dad than he was the boys. And you know how our minds go with that? Oh, if it was me, I'd be parenting better than that. And all, all the things we go with that. So finally, he he boils over and he has to say something. He says, sir, he said, can't, can't you see that these, these boys, they're, they're bothering people, and, and don't you think you ought to do something? And, and as if waking up out of some kind of fog, the, the man said, uh, yeah, yes, you're, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Boys, calm, calm down, boys. Calm down. And then he said, I, I'm not thinking straight. We just left the hospital. Their, their mother died a couple hours ago, and I'm, I'm not thinking straight. They're not either. Boys, calm, calm, calm down. Wow. So, you know, Steve, just in a moment, right? I mean, that changes everything. Yeah. Changes everything. This businessman all of a sudden says, no, no, they're not bothering me. How could I help you? And here's the thing. This 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 is kind of the whole point of the, of the book. If that can happen in a, in a, in just a natural moment like that, where suddenly you see it accurately, but all your, all of his thoughts, all of his feelings, all of his behaviors suddenly changed. The the sort of miracle of that kind of moment is that it wasn't just that he he said, well, oh, now I understand more, so I'll try harder to be patient. He actually became patient. His his frustration turned into compassion in an instant. And I just uh, some years ago thought, um, I need those that that kind of vision on a day-by-day basis. So I just started praying, Jesus, how do you see this? Because if we can admit that we may not be seeing it right, and if we can appreciate that Jesus came to be the light of the world and promise that whoever follows him will not stumble in the darkness, that he came to open up blind eyes and just start living like that, then it could really change things. And I found it in my life and I found it in others that when our spiritual eyes are opened, then everything else, the behaviors, the thoughts, that changes sort of automatically. It doesn't take away from the other important spiritual disciplines like prayer and study yeah. the word and all, but it is a new spiritual practice for me. Jesus, how do you see this? And you can pray it all throughout the day and it changes everything. All right. So as you have begun to make that prayer, a regular prayer that you're praying, how have you seen God in a sense, open your eyes so that you're starting to see things differently, Alan? Well, in 
every kind of relationship. I mean, let's start with those that are just closest to us, right? And so in marriage, in uh, family relationships, as soon as I have a moment, you know, like I've been married, I've been married 38 years and we got a great marriage and my wife, she's fantastic, but we're married, right? So that means that, (laughs) you know, you're going to have on a regular basis, the potential for misunderstanding. And um, I think that uh, with my new little prayer, I've been praying for years, there's much less of that. Um, where Because in the first place, what it does is it causes you to pause. And in this crazy, busy world where we think we know what's going on, and instead of letting just a moment of frustration make me think I know what's going on, I pause. But then I think the sensitivity to say, this woman that I love so dearly with all my heart, and right now, Lord, I need to, I need to see her as you do. Um, so it opens up conversation. So at the simplest level, for me, so much, of course, in ministry, every day is filled with moments where you're interacting with people, and you you really need to understand how would God want to minister to this person now. So it changes ministry, but it also, I think, this is really important for everyone to understand we need to see ourselves as Jesus sees us. Hmm. And, um, you know, I've had a lot of healing over the last couple decades from shame-based thinking and all of that, but it still creeps in. And we need to sometimes say, Jesus, how do you see me in this? And, and And you begin to see yourself as loved, see yourself as if Jesus sees our own potential. And it also, and maybe for today's world, we need to see this sin-broken world through his eyes. And yeah. what I've found, in short, is that some of the things that tend to just make me frustrated or angry about the sin of the world, when I look through Jesus's eyes, I think I start feeling more of a sadness. Uh, you know, Jesus stood over Jerusalem and wept. He didn't shout. He didn't get just frustrated with the religious leaders he did, but not not just with the not with the the lost lost people. Yeah. So our eyes for everything can change. It's comprehensive. Well, there's so much in what you've already shared, and we're going to dig a little bit deeper coming up in just a few moments, talking with Pastor Alan Wright, pastor of a church in North Carolina and author of Seeing as Jesus Sees, and looking forward to continuing the conversation in just a moment. you got a question or comment, feel free to text in 800-555-7898. Well, we're talking with Pastor Alan Wright this morning, pastor of uh, Multi-Site Church in North Carolina and author of Seeing as Jesus Sees. And Alan, I want to pick up on something you uh, said a few moments ago. You said, as you began to pray, Lord, help me see as Jesus sees. Give me your eyes to see in a sense. And you said one of the things that you began to see maybe a little bit differently was seeing yourself as Jesus sees you. And that was a game changer. I think a lot of us, may struggle with how we see ourselves. So as you began to pray that prayer, uh, what did God do in you, and how did he kind of show up in that way? One of the first things that happens when you begin to pray that is you're, you're admitting, I may not be seeing myself as you are, God. And that's, you know, that's a form of repentance, really. That's a changing of mind. It's like, I'm willing to, I'm willing to have my eyes open to this. And I think what I began to see earlier on was uh, some of what I'd had experienced healing from already, but it began to go deeper with me. And I thought, well, where where did my eyesight get blurred anyway? And it it really took me back to when I was in fourth grade and my dad, 
left home. And, you know, as a fourth grader, your spiritual eyes suddenly are just like, they feel like they've been just scarred. And you begin to see the world through that. Like, what's wrong with me that dad left? And this may not be a conscious thought, but you don't realize that you're seeing the world through that kind of lens. And when you see the world through a lens that says, I'm not fully accepted, um, and therefore there must be something that I need to do, well, that really is just an expression of shame. And I think when you get the eyes of Jesus for you, what you see is perfect love. And even when we're messing up, you know, <clears throat> it's just maybe when it's most important. And uh, one of the things I do in the book is to just take readers on a on a new way of seeing scripture. Imagine yourself there. And one of the stories I was imagining was, was the famous uh, moment of Jesus walking on the water. And yeah. of course, he's He's walking on water, and Peter says, "Tell me to come to you," and and uh, and and so he does. And Peter Peter takes a few steps and then sinks. And uh, most sermons, you know, focus on Jesus saying, "Oh, you have little faith," like you know, tisk tisk. That's the problem. Tiny faith. That's your problem. Um, and then we we transfer that to ourselves. And say, "Yeah, that's me too. So little faith. That's my problem. Doubt. Uh, no wonder Jesus is disappointed in me." But if you look at that story closer. Um, there's a couple of things that I observed for that, and I started seeing it through Jesus' eyes. The first place was Peter walked on the water for a few steps. Right. And, yep. and I was like, I now have underlined that like five times. Like the text says, Peter walked on the water, and nobody other than Jesus in human history has ever been on the water for more than a couple steps, right? And so um, that's one thing. But the other came to me through a, a, a gem of a, ser a sermon from Charles Spurgeon, in which he said, you know, Jesus didn't shame and condemn. And so when he says, oh, you have little faith, you really need to see this more as a blessing that Jesus is probably smiling. I think of this now and like he's probably smiling and, and he helps Peter back up and back to the boat. And it's one word in Greek, little faith one. And uh, it might be more like when I was a kid, I always was the little one and I played with the older kids yep. and they called me loud. And uh, that wasn't a term of derision. That was affection, you know, little Al. And uh, I saw an old neighborhood buddy not long ago. He said, little Al. And uh, so maybe Jesus was like little faith ones. And um, but the point of, of Spurgeon's sermon was if you have a little faith, you have some faith. Yeah. And in fact, Jesus said, if you have a mustard seed of faith, you could move a mountain. And uh, and and that's like I sort of imagine like two people get on an airplane one of them is his first time flying. He's nervous. He's white knuckled. He's 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 nervous and anxious. The whole flight from from, from Nashville to Los Angeles, and uh, the other guy's a million miler. He gets on to some work, has some has a snack, has you know takes a nap, and so they both get to Los Angeles. One had a lot of faith. One had a little faith. Yep. But they still both got there, and so maybe we need to quit seeing ourselves through this filter that says, yeah, I'm, that's my problem. I'm, I'm not pleasing enough to God. I don't have enough faith. He must be really disappointed in me. And maybe we need to instead look through Jesus's eyes where he sees a little bit of faith as real faith. And with real faith, he can, he can do great things. And I think that's a different way of seeing, of seeing ourselves. That's a real paradigm shift. And, you know, I think it's one other thing that I would just say for anybody that it's felt like that their life has, has been besieged by some serious mistakes. You know, I think one of the stories I had to go to was when Jesus encounters a woman that had been caught in adultery and the famous 
scene of the Pharisees are gathered ready to stone her. They try to trick the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And he says, whoever is without sin cast the first stone. But what I wanted to see was how does Jesus, we know how you see in the Pharisees, he was reading their minds. He was, he was avoiding their, their trick, but how does he see that woman? And um, the tenderness with which he sees her, yeah. the, the, the way that he, he doesn't just forgive, but he has, he has a capacity to stoop down to her level. He writes in the dust. We don't know what. Well, I just want to go through that story. I invite you, if, if you're struggling with feeling forgiven by God, then say, how do you see me and how do you see my sin? And what you'll realize for the Christ follower is he sees your sin, but then through his own shed blood, he sees it no more. Hmm. And, beautiful. And to see yourself like that is liberating. Well, The book is called Seeing as Jesus Sees, written by Pastor Alan Wright, and we are just barely scratching the surface on this morning's conversation. So much more that we just uh, unfortunately do not have time to get to. So I certainly commend that to you again, Seeing as Jesus Sees, by Pastor Alan Wright. Now, and we appreciate your time this morning. It's Don and Steve in the morning here on Moody Radio. You know, we, we still, I'm sure, have images and can remember where we were when we heard Israel was under attack and we began to see the not just the fact that Israel was attacked, because that happens with some frequency, but back on October 7th, the scale and the scope and the atrocity and the severity of that. And man, so many people caught off guard by that wondering, all right, what does it look like now? For us to stand with Israel, to support Israel, and joining us to talk a little bit about that this morning is Ron Leonard. Um, he is with uh, Christian Friends of Israel as the IDF spokesperson in an outreach called David Shield. And Ron, thank you for joining us today. Oh, it's great to be here. Wonderful. Well, I want to start with uh, Christian Friends of Israel and David Shield. What What do you do, and what is David Shield? Uh, David Shields is an outreach of Christian Friends for Israel that reaches directly out to the IDF. We 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 supply non-war items to them. We are actually uh, pr- providing jackets for the cold weather that is hitting Israel a little bit up in the north right now. And uh, we're also providing all kinds of material for the IDF. And um, it's just a wonderful, wonderful opportunity we've had. They've been doing this for years. I came on board just very recently with the open position they asked me to take at uh, David Shield. And uh, what I'm doing is I'm the IDF spokesman in the USA. Uh, um, Christian Friends for Israel was founded in 1985. And just a few years after that, they started reaching out to the IDF. So we have a real trust with the IDF there, and uh, we have the opportunity to reach out with practical items to practically show the love of, uh, of Yeshua to them. Well, I, I think uh, many Christians, when we heard of what happened on October 7th, immediately began to pray for Israel and recognizing mm-hmm. the fact that prayer is our greatest weapon, the best yeah. thing that we can do, but also we want to stand with Israel in some very physical and tangible ways, too. And and so I appreciate the fact that you're yeah. helping us do that. What would yeah. you say is the greatest need or the greatest uh, thing that you guys can do to support the IDF right now, and how could we help? Well, the first ways is prayer. You know, always when I've heard it said, all the, when all we can do is pray, we're doing everything our Lord has commanded us to. And the mission statement really says it all. We believe Jesus is the Messiah of Israel and Savior of the world. However, we stand alongside with Israel and our love is unconditional. So we can pray. And the next thing we can do is visit David Shields at uh, www.cfi.org. 
and they can go to David Shield and they can see how they can practically get involved. There's opportunities there for them to be able to practically get involved with what goes to David Shield and 100% does go to David Shield. And so we're excited about that. There's a lot of projects that we are doing in Israel right now, but uh, David Shield obviously is in the forefront. You know, as you think about the different needs that the IDF has right now, you already mentioned jackets as being one as the weather is changing, but uh, what what are some of the other just uh, things that um, Christian Friends of Israel and David Shield is doing to support IDF in addition to just providing jackets? Yeah, well, beyond equipment and supplies, we've um, received an opportunity of gratitude from them, and we're just we're there emotionally for them. Um, we have friends um, with Christian Friends of Israel. Some are volunteers, some are on staff, that are actually visiting the officers in the um, in the uh, field, and the opportunity is just tremendous that we're able to do that with them and stuff like that. So, so we're thankful that we're able to go uh, basically in the. In, in the thing, and an honor that uh, CFI has gotten as a Christian ministry has been invited officially by the Israeli government to host our international headquarters in its eternal capital, Jerusalem, which is a rare and honored prize that we have. And we take that very, very seriously. And so we have the opportunity to cooperate with the Israeli government by just coming there and providing an emotional support, especially during this war with Hamas. Well, it is uh, support that is absolutely needed. And as you've said, physical, tangible things we could do, prayer certainly being one of them. And we're going to continue the conversation with Ron coming up in just a few moments. Maybe you want to find out a little bit more about how you can support Israel and how you can be uh, supporting David Shields and thereby supporting Israel, well, you can check out the website. It is cfijerusalem.org, cfijerusalem.org. You're going to find more information and links there. Don Steve in the morning. Well, we are joined by Ron Leonard, who is with Christian Friends of Israel and uh, David Shield, providing tangible and uh, emotional support to the IDF in Israel as they're continuing to deal with uh, going into Gaza and dealing with Hamas right there. A lot of real physical, tangible needs and things that we can do to stand with Israel. And Ron, in addition to prayer, uh, what what is the number one thing that you would call Christians to do in addition to praying for Israel? I would say the interesting, uh, the uh, the number one thing they can do after prayer, obviously prayer is the most important, that they can give. And uh, we, we we provide several things which are considered non-war items. We consider, we, uh, we uh, are providing them of shirts, jackets, socks, t-shirts, knee pads, boots, and things that the army does not provide. People need to understand that when they come up from the reserves, or active duty, they make between $75 and $150 a month. That is their salary there, and they are required to serve in the military every two years. So um, uh, do we understand Israel? Absolutely. As Sheeran said, since 1985, we have stand with Israel uh, biblically, and we've stayed on the ground and tried to help them. So those are the practical items they can do, and and obviously pray, what does God want me to do? But um, I would encourage them to go on, and whatever they can get, whether it's a little or a lot, it's going to help the IDF on the ground. Well, if you want to find out more about how you can help out, it is cfijerusalem.org to uh, get connected there. And Ron, I hear the passion in your voice about standing with Israel in this way and being a part of uh, the, these opportunities here. It sounds like there's a little bit of it, it's hitting you personally in some way. So 
why did you want to get involved and, and be a part well, of this? Well, it's just um, I, I grew up in a strong Christian family, a very pro-Israel family. I, I came to know Christ when I was 10, and I've always supported Israel. And, and uh, you know, being able to be involved with Israel, I think, is biblically, and it's sound. I always want to be on the right side of history. So that became a passion to me. And then coming on board recently with Christian Friends of Israel, it's just really amplified that passion. Well, last uh, moment or two that we have here, understand that not only can we give and we can uh, support and we can pray, but we can also learn a little bit more about what is going on there. You have a, a free magazine that people could Yes, uh, we have get a free magazine. From? It's called For Science Sake, and uh, they can actually go online and it'll be under publications and they can order the magazine or they can read it directly online. The most recent issue is online, but if they wanted to order the magazine, they can definitely order it and we'll send it to them absolutely free. If churches wanted to get a supply of the magazines, that we would be more than happy to send them to their congregations. Well, Christian Friends of Israel and David shield providing that support to the idf and uh, ron so appreciate you taking just a few minutes out of your day and kind of sharing how we can continue to pray and support the idf and the people people of israel right now you're listening to moody radio